Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Piggy Bookworm podcast. I am here today with Carmen Loop. Um, I have a <laughs> she just nodded her head. So yay, I, I pronounced it right. They are I'm so sorry. They I pronounced their name correctly. And we are going to talk books and life and all kinds of stuff today. So grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. And we're we're going to get started. Hello, Carmen. I cannot believe we talked like literally seconds before I hit record and I still messed up your pronouns. I am so sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. It's funny. It's actually funny to me how often that happens. I had a teacher of mine once say, um, um, we're going to go around and talk about our pronouns because um, you never know what kind of pronouns people use. Carmen, for example, she uses they, them pronouns. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's too, yeah, that's okay. too funny. Yeah, I, I just laugh. <laughs> for, for me, I just try to make it as easy as possible. Um, you know, I'm like, I've been she my entire life. I've been her my entire life. Not going to, not going to change it. I'll just make it easy on everybody. So um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I do try to be respectful of other people's um, choice of pronouns. So, yeah, I'm, really, I'm so sorry that I did that. Um, but working on it. So um, anyway, um, real quick, um, as we get started, if you can give us just a little bit of information like about you, how you got started writing, um, and all that kind of fun stuff. You can just give us a quick bio. Of course, yeah. So, oh gosh, I started writing, probably like most of us did, fan fiction in high school. <laughs> I know that was a, a big thing for a lot of people is the fan fiction. So I think mine was uh, the Princess Bride fan fiction. Oh, that that's was fun. Yeah, so that, The Princess Bride, gave me a particular idea of style. That was the first book I read where I really noticed this style is different than the style of other books that I've read. Um, it's more, there's a voice to it, you know. Um, and then I read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I realized some books have this kind of quirky, fun voice, and that was what really got me into writing. Um, and of Obviously, the characters, the story, I love the plot is important. But for me, the the voice and the style um, that really made an impact on me. Those two books. Uh, so I started writing, um, and I've been working through high school on some version of the audacity. So it's about uh, ten years in the making. And I finally, uh, out of college, I had the time, I had the energy, and I had as much knowledge as I thought I was going to get at the point, at least. Um, and I went ahead and uh, hired a proofreader and published The Audacity. So The Audacity 1, 2, and 3 are now out. They're out in the world. Yeah, the my, world. my guest uh, last week, Tina, um, speaking of fan fiction, she was talking about Miami Vice fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Um, you know, she is, she is not from America. So, you know, that had to have been just a really interesting, really fun way, um, of writing. Um, Miami Vice is just very, very, very American. It just really, really, really is. So to know that somebody from, you know, outside of the U S was writing fan fiction like that, it was just really fun for me. Hmm. Um, so where, um, you live in, Georgia, correct? That's correct. Savannah, Georgia. How, how does the, um, and I don't actually get to ask very many authors this, but how does 
the environment where you live, how does that affect your writing? How does that inspire your writing? Um, what kind of process do you have? Sure. Um, I moved to Savannah for SCAD, the um, Savannah College of Art and Design. And I went for animation. So having that animation background, I now I do my own art. I draw all of my own characters, my cover designs. I actually do myself because of that. Uh, so that's been really nice. I've um, enjoyed living in Savannah. So after I graduated, I saw there was no metaphysical stores in town at the time when I graduated. There are more now. Um, but when I graduated, that was four years ago? Five? That was five. No, four. We're going to go with four. It was four years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was four. <laughs> Let me not age myself more than I need to. Totally. Um, so yeah, I totally years, get it. <laughs> when I graduated from SCAD, I decided to stay and open a metaphysical store instead of doing animation. But my love of story and character comes out through my writing. Uh, and now I have a comic book out as well that goes along with the Audacity series. So I also have a tarot deck that I illustrated. So it kind of marries the metaphysical spiritual shop with my art and that all comes together. So the, um, to answer your question more directly, the environment being around SCAD, being around these creative artistic students all the time has really kept my inspiration up. Um, a lot of my employees here are SCAD students. Uh, so they're always working on their art and talking about their art. And that keeps me inspired to work on my art too. So that's been really nice. And not to mention Savannah itself is just a beautiful city. I don't really write about Savannah, but it is a beautiful city to live in. I, yeah, you're, um, when you're talking about having, you know, all of your SCAD students around and your employees and everything. I, I think that when you are a creative person, being around other creative people is so important um, because not only do they help inspire you and they help feed that creative spirit, but they get it. They get the you know, I don't want to work right now. I want to be home drawing or, <laughs> you know, no, I don't want to watch TV. I want to be reading or, you know, so it's, they, they just really get it when you just, you feel that need to be creative. And, you know, my day job, my, uh, my supervisor is, um, she's not that sort of creative person, but she understands that I am. And so when there's something that requires creativity or, you know, color or, you know, anything like that, it's like, let's go ask Pam. Pam will do it. Uh, and Pam's like, yes, she will. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I think that um, running your store and having your SCAD students, um, I think, around is super, super, super important. Um, and when, one thing we were talking about, actually, when we scheduled for the chat today, what, um, when you say metaphysical store, what do you mean by that? It is a little bit of an outdated term, uh, metaphysical store. I feel like the 90s, that was really when they were using it. Um, then new age store kind of replaced that uh, as the terminology. Uh, now we would probably call it a modern mystic store. That's the, the modern mystic, mystical, people love that word. Uh, so the terminology does always change. Uh, but what I call it specifically, it is a interfaith spiritual supply and education center so we have got a wide range of stuff i love studying religions and faith systems and spiritual practices too uh, so we've got you know from the east to the west and everything in between and we carry a lot of books actually um, that cover all of those subjects okay um that yeah that sounds like like a lot of fun um if i were to have a a brick and mortar store i think i would probably want to own a bookstore um my my city we do like the barnes and noble and the books the million and you know all of that we have very few i think we have maybe two two secondhand bookstores um, one does a lot of business, one, not so much. 
um, mm. depending on their location. Um, so I think that if I were to open a, like a firsthand bookstore, I would be fighting with Barnes and Noble and nobody's going to do that. <laughs> nobody's going to fight with the big, huge conglomerate. That's just, that's just silly. Um, but then well, if you, I, you'd be surprised actually, there's a, a firsthand bookstore in town, uh, eShaver bookseller, and they do incredible business. That's because they're really involved in the community. And they've got, and that's, that's what people like. They've got cats too. So that helps. Oh yeah. I would totally go to a bookstore to visit the cats. Absolutely. See? Yeah. <laughs> so there are ways to, and it's not competition, you know, it's just diversifying the possibilities, diversifying the uh, opportunities for people in choice. So I, I don't consider it really competition. I don't think they do either. I mean, there's a little friendly competition, but you know. <laughs> I yeah I I would probably want to do like the indie the indie books you know yes anybody who knows me and has known me for like 10 seconds knows how much I love indie books and how much I love the indie community so if I were to yes. open a brick and mortar store I think that would be like my my wish would be to to stock it with all of those beautiful indie covers and all of those beautiful indie stories and um you know the things that people can't always find on Amazon you know yes. it's Amazon is um I think in 2021 um I think it was over two million books indie and self-published that's not even mainstream books that's indie and self-published over two million books were published in 2021 so <laughs> that, is, that is oh, that is a lot and you know as and part of um part of something that I have kind of started doing for my blog and for my website is um figuring out how to help market and figuring out how to help indie authors kind of stand out in all of that noise because there there is a lot of noise and, but, you know, but at the same time, there's a lot of really beautiful stories out there. And so it's, you know, trying to find that balance and trying to help indie authors just kind of find a way to stand out and say, Hey, I'm here over here, over here, pick me, pick me. <laughs> so, um, you know, and that's been, that's actually been a lot of fun, um, for me doing research and, and doing marketing and, and all of that. So, um, okay. What do you um, so you were talking about the audacity. Can you tell us a little bit about what that series is about, what genre it is? Um, and we will try to, um, get links, uh, in the show notes for everybody. Yes. Yeah, so the audacity is, uh, just a fun romp through space. There is themes of friendship and, uh, building trust between people. There's also a lot of um, my Zen philosophy. I love Zen Buddhism. Uh, and it's something that I think comes through in the end because it's all about working with chaos, the acceptance of chaos, how to, how to manage chaos in our lives. And chaos is a literal character. Chaos, the goddess of chaos exists in the world of the audacity and is just there to do what she does best, create chaos. <laughs> so uh, so it's, a, it's a, I really, I love writing the series. There's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of humor in it. Uh, there's also a lot of heart too. the characters I've uh, known obviously for 10 years. So they're very close to me. And um, the friendship between the main characters, May, who is a human and Zan, who is a tension, uh, their unlikely friendship is something that I've really enjoyed growing throughout the three books. Okay. What, can you tell us a little bit about the plot? Like how does, how does the books, how does the first book start? Cause obviously we don't want spoilers. We want people to actually go and read the books, but how does the first book start? Like how does the story get going? So the story kicks off. Uh, May is like many of us, very frustrated with her fellow humans, <laughs> ready to uh, do something new. She works at food service at a Sonic drive-in and does not love her job, does not want to be there. Um, 
and she's she's a bit of a loner too. She has a hard time trusting people, uh, so she lives alone. And um, she, as on her way home, she's abducted by aliens. This kicks off the entire um, series of what happens. So there's an a an old AMC Gremlin car that has been retrofitted to be a um, a shuttle has come and abducted her, uh, and. She ends up being rescued from the aliens that abducted her by an innocent bystander who is Zan, who just happens to be you know, in the area. We find out later that it wasn't quite so co coincidental, <laughs> but he was in the area. Um, and he picks her up, tries to bring her back to Earth, but at that point, Chaos, who is our villain, has destroyed everything. There is nothing left of Earth, essentially. It's, it's still there, but it is under her rule. Um, and her plot begins as she is working her um, magic over Earth, essentially. Um, and May and Zan now, May, has never been without a job. Uh, and now she doesn't even have Earth. So she is completely on her own, essentially homeless, but Zan has been very, very lonely for a long time. So he's just excited to have companionship. He's just excited to have someone on board. Um, but May feels like a burden. So she does her best to try to make money. She wants to, you know, move on with her life and not be a burden to anyone while she is still suffering through the grieving, the loss of earth. Um, but they bond over rocket racing and eventually may becomes a rocket racer. Oh, uh, so there's fun. That, the main plot is her journey into rocket racing. That's okay. So my TBR is just never going to forgive me. Um, I, I think I have just come to terms with the fact that, that my TBR is just never going to get any smaller. It's going to continue to grow forever and ever and ever. Um, cause I, I think I need these books. They, they sound like so much fun. Um, May kind of sounds, she kind of sounds like she might have a little bit of snark. Is that, is that like a good description? A snark, maybe. Um, she is, she's very dry. She has a dry wit. Um, but no, like, sometimes, you know, that's that biting sarcasm that can be a little bit unwarranted. No, it's always warranted when she, when she does something. <laughs> of course, it's always warranted. It doesn't, yeah, it's always warranted. Yeah always warranted. Oh. So yeah, she, she is a little snarky, but she's also, she's quiet and she keeps to herself a lot. So when she does say something, make a joke or do something snarky or, um, it, it almost catches you by surprise sometimes. <laughs> um, and I do want to, um, make a note for the people who do not live either in the U S or do not live in the South. Sonic Drive-In is a restaurant. It's like a fast food burger place. Um, you do not park and go inside um, like you would at a lot of other places. You park your car and you order at your car and somebody actually brings your food to you. So um, I don't know of many places in the North U.S. that would have something similar Um and I am not aware of any places outside of the U.S. that I would have something similar. So just in case you got confused, it is a fast food place. They have awesome burgers. Um, if you ever come to the South in the U.S., you got to go to Sonic. You got to check it out because <laughs> their food's awesome. <laughs> and okay. you might get abducted by aliens. <laughs> and yes, and you, and you might get abducted by aliens. You never know. <laughs> so do you read and write in the same genre, do you prefer your books to be like that, um, that kind of spacey type sci-fi books? That's a fantastic question. Uh, and it's something that I have struggled with, actually. I felt like I should only be reading humorous sci-fi because that's what I write. But I found that it was work when I did that. I was 
I was judging, <laughs> I was critiquing, and I was not only critiquing the work of whoever I was reading, I was critiquing my own work against theirs too. So it was no longer fun. So I actually have scaled back my efforts to read in the genre that I write. Uh, so now mostly what I read, uh, I read, I do read a lot of classics. I love reading classics. So I recently finished The Good Earth by Pearl S. Buck which is one I enjoyed, and Siddhartha. Oh, I love Siddhartha. So it, it turns out a lot of what I read is the complete opposite of what I write. <laughs> hey, whatever works and whatever feeds your creative spirit, right? Yeah. But The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was a formative book for me, and I do um, go back to that one every once in a while. Uh, I recently read Octavia Butler. So she is sci-fi, but definitely not humor. Uh, so I found that if I can distance myself and what I really want to do a little bit, if I can read a book and still think, okay, but this is how I would have done it and like totally gone a different direction, then I will be more satisfied by that book usually. So have you ever written fan fiction for an indie book? I have not. Uh, I actually, most of the fan fiction I've written, I, wrote, I, I haven't written fan fiction in a long time. The last thing, it's a lot of TV shows, honestly. Uh, the last thing I wrote fan fiction for was Super Jail, believe it or not, on Adult Swim. A I lot of people don't know about it. it. Adult Swim it's, tends to be cartoons, and I tend to, to like shy away from cartoons. I'm like, I don't want cartoons. Oh, I love cartoons. I'm an animator, so yeah. I love cartoons. Um, but yeah, the last thing I wrote was Super Jail fan fiction with my husband. That was actually our courting each other. We, like, role-played Super Jail fan fiction, which is very <laughs> weird. If you know Super Jail, it is just extremely uh, intense. It's very gory, but it's also very colorful and fun. So there's like this contrast going on. It's an interesting show. Um, so yeah, most of the fan fiction I write is based on TV shows and I haven't written in a long time. So, uh, okay. So what, what are some books that you would recommend? In the indie community, I always recommend Girl Repurposed by uh, Megan. Oh, last name. No, Girl Repurposed is the name of the book. Megan is her. This is the first name of the author. I cannot remember her last name right now. Um, that is a really good one. It has a similar kind of style to, to the Audacity series, but it is um, Greek mythology. Ooh, I love it, Greek mythology. Urban. Yeah, it's, it's urban but it's tied with Greek mythology. So it's a very interesting one. I highly recommend that. Uh, she's a fantastic writer. And the other ones that I really, uh, off the top of my head, Duckett and Dyer, Dicks for Hire. It's a three book series uh, by GM Nair. And it's so good. It is, um, I say it's the Dirk Gently to my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So if you've ever, Dirk Gently is uh, Douglas Adams's detective series, and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is Douglas Adams' sci-fi series. So, yeah, it's very much Dirk Gently style. Okay. But um, I think it's way better, actually. I, I have a hard time reading Dirk Gently, honestly, and I love Duckett and Dyer. I cannot get enough of that one. Okay. I, um, yeah, I'll have to check both of those out. Um, if you like books, um, that have mythology in them, um, there is one book that, um, I actually asked the author to make another book in this world. I'm like, you have to continue the story because right now it sits as a standalone. Um, but I'm like, I need more stories set in this world. It's called This Eternity of Masks and Shadows. And um, the Golden Girls Book Club uh, podcast episode here on the Picky Bookworm, that is the book that we are going to be reading and discussing, I believe, for July, if I remember correctly. But it is a, um, it's a book set in a world. It's an urban story, but it's set in a world where all 
the gods and goddesses from all of the religions and all of the mythologies around the world are real. Mm. And every hundred years, each god or each goddess, they um, are reborn into a new personality and into a new person and they don't remember their previous life. So they're basically reincarnated for another hundred years. And the, um, the main character, I believe her name is Karen, C-A-I-R-N. Her mom commits suicide. And so Karen goes off on this journey of trying to figure out why her mom would kill herself because her mom, as far as she knew, her mom wasn't suicidal. And so she goes off on this, on this journey to try to figure out what happened to her mom and, and all of that. And it's really, really, really good book. Um, if you enjoy books with mythology and with like brand new views on mythology, definitely recommend that one. Um, Great. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the first, um, indie books that I read after I started, um, the picky bookworm blog and absolutely loved it. Um, so I am looking forward to discussing it with the other Golden Girls uh, in a couple of months. Um, okay, so what, um, other than being around like other creative people living in the city that you live in, what is your writing process like? Like what kind of things do you find inspiration in and what kind of feeds into other than books other than you know all of that which kind of feeds into your inspiration for your stories mm. did I ask a hard question <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of got this look on your face like oh uh, I don't know really how to answer that <laughs> the inspiration question is a big question I believe we're inspired by everything life itself is inspiration um and if you it doesn't matter, you know, if you say God, the universe, or even just the the evolution, the spark of the Big Bang. We are inspired to be here. So everything is inspiration. It's difficult to point at one thing and say, that's my inspiration. I, there are several uh, TV shows that I enjoy watching that, uh, like Rick and Morty. Love Rick and Morty. Definitely has some inspiration on me. Um, I love Steven Universe. It's mostly cartoons, <laughs> so you may not have seen a lot of them. I have, um, see, I have seen Rick and Morty. My my husband is a huge Rick and Morty fan, and uh, we we actually had to come to an agreement that if I am in the room, he can't watch Rick and Morty. I'm, I'm sorry, but the grandpa just he irritates the snot out of me like I cannot even tell you how much he irritates me and so Rick and Morty and South Park are like the two shows that I'm like honey if, if I'm in here you can't you wait till I'm sleeping or <laughs> something to watch yeah. both of those shows not a fan of South Park. <laughs> that's that's something that I'm not able to watch myself. Uh, but I do love Rick and Morty. Uh, so I do get some inspiration from watching TV shows. I also, I like to travel. Uh, uh, I recently went to New Orleans. That was very inspiring. My next book coming out is... Um, the new Floridian. So there's a lot of, and I, I grew up in Florida, but I did a lot of day trips because there's just so much to do in Florida. Oh yeah. So I explored Florida and that kind of growing up that way simmered. And now I'm writing a book about uh, Florida 500 years in the future after an alien apocalypse. And yeah, that's, I'm excited about, this is my current book. I'm very excited about writing. Um, so it's got some, classic Florida tropes with a new twist. Uh, and I'm inspired by people, inspired by philosophy. I read a lot of philosophy books in my free time and that it, it gets my, the gears turning. And when my gears are turning, when I'm thinking about things, when I'm considering philosophies, big ideas, concepts, that ends up being distilled in whatever I write. Even if I don't realize it at the time, <laughs> I will, I'll, I'll just have a moment where, you know, I sit down because my process is I like to set aside an hour or two 
I sit down, I reread a little bit of what I've read before. I set a timer for 30 minutes and I just write as much as I can and I just go. And then I, when I look back and I see the connections that I've made, I realize that it follows the theme of my life. Whatever I'm working on for myself, my characters are working on. Uh, and while obviously I'm not out in space racing rockets, I tie it to the growth of human nature, the way that it, the character arc, essentially, the way that we interact with each other, the philosophies that we discover, the, the ways that we live um, and communicate, that is the realism that I strive for. Everything else I make up, I throw things together, I make it real weird so that you don't have any idea there's any realism there. But when you look deeply about the characters and into the themes, it's very human. So you you kind of strike me as um, loving the abstract of things. Um, you know, you, for me in particular, um, I'll give you an example. Psychology is like probably one of my very favorite disciplines. Um, you know, I'm always looking at people's motives for things or um, people's inspiration, you know, talking about creativity, um, you know, and so talking about the abstract, uh, when my friend Gabe and I record our um, fan podcast for the TV show Alias, he is usually discussing like the hard science part of things. I am talking about like people's motivations and people's personalities. And so between the two of us, we're able to um, get like that, that whole picture um, and that whole big picture. Uh, you kind of strike me as being um, kind of like me in that respect is that you like the, uh, you know, you were talking about philosophy earlier um, and, you know, just kind of looking at the, the motives behind things and like the, the backstage access type stuff. Psychology is a big part of writing. When you're writing your characters, you have got to understand how they're thinking, what's going on and how different people think as well. So I, I'm not sure you can be a writer and not be interested in psychology in at least some way. <laughs> Um, but for me, yes, the abstract ideas are what I find the most fascinating. Those are the ones that I want to dig into and learn more about. Uh, the concept of uh, release, letting go, like Eastern versus Western. Well, in the West, it's all about asserting yourself and making things happen. It is about manifestation. It's about changing your life and you are the impetus of that change. It's very Disney. Like you can, you can have whatever you want to just change your life. Whereas Eastern philosophy, it's more about changing yourself. It's more self-focused and about being where you are and accepting where you are and I think a lot of, especially Western books, don't talk about themes that are like that. Uh, the theme of, you know, you can be happy in any situation, wherever you are, with a change in mindset, as opposed to you can use your mindset to change any situation, which is the more Western idea. Um, so I, so many books I read are about how to affect change in your life, how to change your life. I wanted more books about how to change yourself right. to enjoy your life. And I think that is the big, and yeah, you're right. That abstract concept. I just love looking into and digging into that. Um, so what, um, what are some books that you would recommend, um, maybe on the more Zen side, because I think you mentioned earlier that you really enjoy um, Zen and um, the belief behind Zen Buddhism. What are some books that you would recommend for somebody that is maybe interested in learning a little bit more about it? The nice thing about Zen is that it's extremely simple. So any book you're going to pick up on Zen is going to be the smallest book you'll see. 
that's why I love it because it's simple. Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind is a classic. Uh, Suzuki is the name of the author. Uh, he's a Dogen Zen uh, uh, master, and that's a very, very good one. Alan Watts, look up any book by Alan Watts, you'll have your mind blown by him. He's brilliant uh, author, mainly working around the 70s when he was really uh, popular. Uh, and he's also, he does a lot of lectures too that you can even find um, Alan Watts lectures on YouTube or Spotify uh, and listen to him. And he studied Zen, Zen very heavily, and he brought it to the West and he brought it to the Western understanding. Um, Buddhism Plain and Simple was one that I started with, but it's funny because it's actually quite a large, dense book. It's not quite as plain and simple as some of the other ones. Uh, Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, No Mud, No Lotus. That's a really good tiny book to start with. Um, and then I've also branched out more into Taoism as well. So, and, and Zen is kind of the combination of Taoism and Indian Buddhism. It's, it's a little bit of the center of those. Um, so the Tao Te Ching, I have been re I read a verse from the Tao Te Ching every day and it's really been helpful for me. Okay. Um, so what, um, what kind of advice or what kind of process habits would you recommend that maybe you use? Because um, I know that um, for authors, I hear a lot about, um, you know, your writing process is not the same as somebody else's, you know, and you should never give advice, blah, 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 because everybody else's, you know, their process is different. But for me, and part of why um, I talk to authors is because, you know, you may have a writing process, you may have some writing habits that maybe another author who's struggling in that area is looking for, you know, maybe they're looking for a new way to approach their, their writing life. What are some of your habits and what are some of your processes that you um, would recommend that, you know, somebody who's maybe struggling would, could try? I'm really not the person to ask. <laughs> I have a very uh, loosey-goosey uh, plan towards writing. I don't have a very, because it's not my job. It's something I love to do. I do it for fun, and I want to keep it that way, so I don't actually put too much of a system on it. However, I do have Evernote, and I use my Evernote, and I have like a a free write page and anytime I'm thinking about my book, anytime I have an idea, I add it to the free write and I make sure that before, if I get stuck, if I ever get stuck drafting, writing the book, I go and I reread everything I've ever written, all the notes I ever made for myself because it's in one folder. And from that, sometimes I see, I totally forgot that I thought this would be a good idea. Why don't I just use that? And it reminds me, it's almost like brainstorming with yourself. So having a one place to go where all your brainstorming happens, you write down every thought you've ever had about the book is really, really nice. I also use spreadsheets a lot. I like to keep track of all my sci-fi alien words in a glossary spreadsheet. Uh, all the have to, otherwise I wouldn't remember them all. <laughs> uh, but then it's also nice because I can go back and say I need to reference uh, something that's sci-fi or alien it doesn't matter what it is but I need it to be something that I've already referenced before to it's it's really good for world building work uh, so spreadsheets plain and simple uh, I use Scrivener to do all my drafting and revising and I try to draft all the way through I do NaNoWriMo I try to get as far as I can I give it a couple months and then I cut some stuff back uh, and then I try to get as far as I can again and then I cut and then as far as I can again. And I just, I do whatever's easiest at the time. I let it flow and I stay focused. And that's the big thing. Sometimes you'll see authors, we all have lots and lots of ideas. Some people have like 20 books going at once. 
pare it down, combine, simplify. That is, if I could give one bit of advice, simplify, 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 remove stuff. Don't add stuff to your plate. Always take stuff away. Uh, simplify to the point where you're working on one or two, maybe books at a time. I, I always have like two kind of going and whichever one's going easiest, that's the one I head for. Whichever one I'm stuck on, I let it simmer for a while. But when I get stuck on the other one, I switch back. I, I don't choose something else. I don't have a third option. That is how, that's the only way I finish books. Otherwise I would never finish anything. <laughs> that's, that you're, you are preaching in the choir. That is how I read books. Um, I, I don't write books that way. Um, but one, um, one thing that um, you mentioned is, you know, 20 works in progress at a time. I have like 25 blog post drafts in my WordPress right now. Um, and, you know, but I'm never actually working on all 25 at once. I really just kind of put them in there because that was an idea I had and I want to get to it at some point. Um, so I think that, you know, what you were talking about, having a notebook, having an Evernote, having a spreadsheet, you know, having something like that where you can put all of those ideas um, you know, a lot of my ideas come when I'm listening to music. Um, I have ideas come when I'm proofreading, which is so weird. Um, but, and it's not always something that is related to what I'm reading or related to what I'm thinking about or related to what I'm watching, but just having that clear mind, um, you know, listening to music without lyrics, uh, that's probably one of the, um, best times that I will get ideas is when I'm, I have music going, um, in my ears. And then all of a sudden my mind is clear and these ideas will start popping in my head. Having that place to write them down and having that place to go to later is so handy. And I think a lot of authors would probably agree with you that having, having all of those ideas in one place, uh, even if you're not working on all of them at once, um, is really, really super smart and super handy. Yes. And what you're doing is a kind of meditation with the music. Music is very, very meditative. And that puts you in that receptive state, that almost trance state where those ideas will come. They feel safe. My, <laughs> my, um, it's, you know, for, for me, and I know a lot of my listeners will identify with this. Um, ever since I was a kid, uh, my mom has never understood this. She puts up with it. She tolerates it, but she has never understood the fact that I have to have music going when I am doing something that requires concentration. And, you know, my, my sister and I were homeschooled uh, when we were kids. My sister could go in her room and do her schoolwork in perfect silence, and she would do just fine. I would go in my room and try to do my schoolwork in perfect silence, and my little hyperactive brain would distract me from everything. I would want to go play with my toys. I would want to go outside. I would want to pet the cat. I would want to do this. I would want to do that. Anything but doing my schoolwork. And I discovered one day, and I remember my mom and I had this argument. I discovered one day that if I had music going, that I was able to concentrate better on my schoolwork and my mom never understood it because she was not that auditory type person until I was diagnosed with ADHD. Um, and I know again, a lot of my listeners will probably identify with this. I didn't actually understand why music was such a big deal, but for me, it gives my brain something to ignore. If that, and I know that's kind of a, a weird way to make sense, but in order for my brain to concentrate on one thing, I have to give it something else to ignore. And so I think that, I think you're right. I think it kind of helps create like that little meditative state where you're able to focus on that one thing because your brain is occupied ignoring something else. So, and I know I have a lot of ADHD listeners that will probably go, yes, Pam, 
Right. You got it. Uh, <laughs> and because, I mean, having 25 different tabs open in your brain is not fun. And um, so, yeah, giving your brain something to ignore and it kind of helps you move over into that creative space um, where that creative side of your head and that creative side of your brain is able to work because you're keeping it busy doing something else over here. Um, so what, speaking of music, what type of music do you listen to when you're writing or do you listen to music when you're writing? I do like to listen to music. Uh, I'll listen to soundtracks mostly. I find that of all the different kinds of soundtracks or jazz music, depending on uh, where I'm going with the scene, but soundtracks are good for your really intense scenes, your intense moments that you're writing. And I like to listen to jazz when I'm just kind of noodling around because that's what jazz is. <laughs> it's a bunch of noodling, it's idea generation. Um, so yeah, those are the two things that I typically will go to. Uh, occasionally I don't listen to anything. I, I like to have, I like to be in a cafe though, where there's, are things happening around me. Right. I work very, very well when there are things happening around me, but not at me. So being in a cafe where there's life and movement and activity where I can say, like you said, there's stuff going on out there. Let me focus here. Yeah. It does help to focus. Um, otherwise, yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it is, it is more difficult to focus on writing. So love writing to just general cafe sounds, whatever's going on in the cafe, jazz, uh, or soundtracks, depending. Yeah. You, you lost me at jazz. I, I guess I'm not going to lie. You lost me at jazz. Jazz is just, it is not my thing. Um, but you know, to each their own. I, you know, I'm, there's I, absolutely to, no uh, I didn't really understand jazz until I went to new Orleans actually. And I, I lived jazz in new Orleans where it's the birthplace. Um, so yeah. there were these jazz musicians they were playing in a, a hotel in new orleans and it was so beautiful it was they were in flow state they were in their flow and it was just a magical evening um kind of like soul have you ever seen the movie soul by pixar no i have not that's the day of the dead movie right that cartoon no Oh. Um, is, no, <laughs> this, this shows it, how much I watch cartoons. Just, yeah. It, it's, um, it's a Pixar movie. So it's a 3d animated movie. Um, and it's not for kids really. It's very big concepts. Um, and jazz is central. The, the main character, he loves jazz. So there's a, there's a theme running theme of how um, jazz impacted his life okay might have to yeah we have disney plus so i might have to go check that out um yeah when um when i am proofreading specifically i uh, i have to have like no lyrics at all whatsoever um i don't know if you can identify with that at all um, but I, you know, but when I want that creative burst, I go for like the, the techno or the, the alternative. Um, if I, if I'm in my car by myself, I go for hip hop or rap. My husband hates both of those things. They make him like angry. Um, so I can't listen to them like around him. Um, but yeah, he has such a visceral reaction to rapper hip hop. It's, I'm, play it safe. Don't play rapper hip hop around my husband. Um, but I have songs that, you know, like when I'm in my car and I just need like that creative burst of energy, um, hip hop is, for me, is a really good place to go. Um, jazz for you, jazz for you is probably kind of that same reaction where you just kind of have that, that all like soul deep creative reaction to something that's jazz. Hip hop is very similar to jazz because it is about, and in fact, the cultures, if you think about the, the culture of jazz, the culture that jazz grew up in and the culture that hip hop grew up in, 
very, very similar cultures too. Um, it's almost like modern version of jazz. <laughs> um, because when you're Just doing not this song- slow and relaxing because jazz puts me to sleep. That's why I can't listen to it. it. It does. It puts me to sleep. Oh, I'm not talking smooth jazz, honey. I'm talking real jazz. Okay. You might have to send like me some recommendations. You might have to send me some recommendations then. Okay. Because yeah, <laughs> most, most jazz puts me to sleep. When I think of jazz, oh, yeah. I'm like, not, no, not, none of this elevator holding oh, pattern no. jazz. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, I will make all kinds jazz. of terrible noises when you start talking about smooth <laughs> jazz. Like I'm not even joking. I yeah, I I make just smooth jazz is so inoffensible that it's offensive. That's what I always say. Yeah. Like, I don't do smooth jazz. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I can't. Hip hop, they are creating on the spot, and that's what jazz is supposed to be about. It's about freedom of expression and creativity and that yeah i absolutely understand that i yeah back i was watching um the there was something on i want to say hulu my husband and i have four streaming services we don't own cable so we have we do like all the streaming stuff i want to say it was on hulu but it was a um, it was a docu-series that they did on the dark side of the 90s. Um, and if you ever have a chance, if you have Hulu and you have a chance to go watch it, like, go watch it. Even if you were not a child of the 90s, go watch it. Because it's, there's so much from that period of time and that decade that has fed so much of how we live today. Um, that, you know, they're, um, the Viper room, uh, Johnny Depp, um, owned this tiny little bar, this tiny little club that gave stars a place to go hang out where they didn't feel famous, you know, because everybody in there was famous like they were. And so they, you know, they had that place where they could go and hang out. Um, and, you know, Beanie Babies, you know, the whole collecting, um, the, the internet, the website, how blogs started, um, you know, all of that. And yeah, it was the dark side. There was a lot of negativity behind a lot of that stuff, but so much of it and so much of the attitude of that one decade has fed so much of how we live our lives and how we see the world now. So if you have Hulu, anybody who's listening, um, I believe it's on Hulu. I will have to double check. Um, I will make sure to put that in the show notes um, just in case. I do believe it's on Hulu, but it's called The Dark Side of the 90s. Definitely go watch it. It was eye-opening, and I was a kid of the 90s, and there was just so much of it that I wasn't even aware of. Um, and it was super, super, super interesting. Um, and one of the things that they talked about, getting back to my point, um, was there was one episode that they did, I believe that was the dark side of hip hop. Um, and so it's, you know, it went into like the history of how hip hop started, um, how alternative music started. Alternative music was um, considered the, the creative expression of that period of time. We still have Green Day. We still have Savage Garden. We still have, you know, a lot of the bands that started the alternative movement today so um enough of my preaching go watch dark side of the 90s if you haven't already um if you have come find me on twitter and tell me that you've seen it um because i would love to have some people to talk to um about how interesting that that particular docuseries was um so other than cartoons now that we are on tv again um talking about inspiration what what are some live action shows maybe that um, that inspire you or um, that kind of feed your creativity? Star Trek, uh, oh. Next Generation. Grew up with. You're seriously my favorite human being right now. I love Star Trek. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> love Star Trek. Um, and recently, I've gone back to watch the original Star Trek two, and it is a little slower. But I, I still really appreciate what they were doing. I, I love Michelle Nichols. Oh, I adore Ahura. Um, I've always had like a huge crush on Ahura. <laughs> Honestly, oh, <laughs> even from when I was very cool. 
I was a, that I was a Sulu and a Chekhov fan from the original series. Um, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Oh, Sulu's voice. Sulu had yeah. Sulu had like the greatest voice. Scotty, Scotty's accent. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, totally get it. I cannot, I have tried on multiple occasions to watch the original series, and I totally get what you mean about it being slower. Um, but at the same time, those three seasons fed so much into how our culture now and how we live now again. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah, the next generation. I grew up on the next generation. That was, you know, we every week my mom watched that show. My mom will still go um, on Prime or Hulu or, you know, HBO or wherever it happens to be playing. And if it's playing, she will watch through the entire series again. Um, yeah, but <laughs> So what... Because um, this, this is an ongoing debate, um, and we have about five minutes left. Um, what would your opinion on why there is such a divide between Star Wars and Star Trek? <laughs> because so so let me let me explain what I mean. I mean, there's you have the the people who they are hardcore Star Trek fans. They hate Star Wars. They don't want to hear anything about Star Wars. They are Star Trek. And then you have the people over here on this side that they are hardcore Star Wars. They have Star Wars figurines in their house. They live Star Wars. They hate Star Trek. They think it's dumb. What What is your opinion on why that divide is there? Human beings love to separate themselves. And love they labels. love labels. They love labels, labels. Yeah. Uh, dichotomies. We like it because star, star, star wars, are you the wars or the trek? That's all, because it's, it's a perfect dichotomy. Even though one's a movie series, then one's a television series. They shouldn't be compared like they are, but because they are so similar yet different, that's why people compare them like that. I love Star Wars. I am one of those rare people. I adore Star Wars, Star Trek, and Doctor Who. All three. Oh, I think Who. love Doctor Who. Um, but Wait, yeah, gosh, I love the original Star Wars series. I don't like the, the new ones quite as much. I don't Like either. most people. I, I don't, uh, yeah, but I the don't original either. series is so much fun. Um, and I think, well, one, you have space opera, and the other, you have more hard sci-fi. Um, Star Wars, to me, is fun, campy, silly. Star Trek makes me think. Yeah. And I love it for that reason, because it makes me think. Star Wars makes me have fun. And I love it because it makes me have fun. I think those are two of my favorite things, thinking and having fun. And if I can do both at the same time, it's perfect. It's a perfect series. So speaking of Doctor Who, and we, we really only have a couple of minutes left, but speaking of Doctor Who... How excited are you that our new Doctor Who is going to be a young black guy? I am blitzed. I am so excited. I was less excited about Doctor Who being a woman than I am about Doctor Who being this, like, super awesome-looking young black guy. He has the, the, um, I saw a picture of him when I saw the article um, that the new Doctor Who was this young black guy. He has, like, that great smile that, like, David Tennant had. He is, he looks very, very charming. Um, I'm really excited to check him. I'm really excited. Yeah, a couple clips of him in action. He's got the sense of humor. He's got the energy. I think him and Russell T. Davies, they were extremely smart to put those two together. That's going to be, it's going to be just what the series needs. I, yeah, I am super excited to check out the, yeah. the new Doctor Who. So. I know. <laughs> I know we're both like squealing. So, um, okay, yeah. so we have about um, a minute left. How can people find you? Carmen Loop, L-O-U-P, like soup with an L. <laughs> so CarmenLoop.com. Easy peasy. Everything is on there. Okay, so like your Twitter and your Facebook and your Instagram and your books and, and all of that is on your website, CarmenLoop.com. Yeah. Okay. Yep, so it's all there. On Twitter, I'm CarmenLoop42. Uh, Instagram. That's like Loop. the best number. Of, yeah, 42 and 47 are like the best number ever. So. Yep. <laughs> so um, you'll find me as CarmenLoop or CarmenLoop42 anywhere. 
Okay, um, so I will be sure to put um, your website um, in the show notes. Um, it is C-A-R-M-E-N-L-O-U-P.com. Um, and all your books and, and all of that will be there. So I will be sure to put that in the um, podcast episode description, I think is what I will say. So um, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. I had an absolute blast and I look forward to talking to you more on Twitter. Yes. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.